All right, listen. It's Halloween. It is Halloween. It is Halloween. And, uh, you know, what have you done? What have you done, honestly? Uh, you just taken up the T-shirts of the people who you have slaughtered out in that cabin in the wood. You're cutting them up. You're wiping the axe down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, with a T-shirt. Then you cut it up into little squares, and then you use it to clean the barrel. You are sick. You are sick. Now, let me tell you about Barrel Buddy. Now, it won't help you with the axe, but it's a 3D cylinder made up of polymers that don't leave behind any residual particles. No mess, no fuss, no muss, no evidence. You see what I'm saying? Here's the best part. Barrel Buddy is made entirely in the United States by a company that shares your values. Well, maybe not you if you're killing people in the woods. Parallel economy. Make sure you get serious about cleaning your guns. Use BarrelBuddy.com today. BarrelBuddy.com. We begin the show in just a second. Stand by. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. It is Halloween, and we're starting with the witches of NPR. We go there in 60 seconds. Stand by. What have you done? All of those late nights at the laboratory, all of those crazy experiments, all of those times the villagers brought torches and pitchforks to your front lawn, shouting for you to stop trying to play God, bring out the monster! But now you've done it. Your dog, your little weeder dog, slowly turning into a human being. I've heard of werewolves before, but you've created a wiener man. Oh my gosh, he's ugly. Oh my god, he's hideous. I can't, I can't even, I can't even stand him. I mean, look, he, he, he strangely looks a, a little like Joe Biden. Oh, make sure you sprinkle some rough greens on top of it. I, I don't want him to, I mean, I don't want him to suffer. He should have all of his vitamins, minerals, and everything that would make him a very strong wiener dog. Maybe it will even help him remember that he's president as a dog. The folks at Rough Greens are confident that your dog is going to love it. They have a special deal for you. Go to roughgreens.com slash back or call 833-GLEN-33. They're going to give you your first trial bag for free. It's really good for your dog. Maybe you shouldn't put it on 
the president's food. Um, all you pay for is shipping. 833-GLEN-33. 833-G-L-E-N-N-33. Call them today. Hello, Stu. Glenn, how are you? Oh! Happy Halloween. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, happy Halloween to you. Mm-hmm. And I've got some scary stuff for you today. Scary. Now, this may come as a surprise to you, but I learned this from NPR. Witches are real and witches are liberal politically politically okay mm-hmm. now it's no surprise really if you if you want to think about it uh really no surprise at all that you know witches uh are are liberal and npr would run a fluff piece about witches uh the segment featured a writer who devoted an entire year of her life to witchcraft now, does that, that work out? Well, here's NPR. Have a listen. Witches have long cast a spell on American entertainment, <laughs> but they aren't just a figment of our imagination. Mm. Witchcraft is a real practice, and people who practice witchcraft are all around you. But <gasps> really? what does it even mean to be a witch? I right. mean, how does one begin a spiritual journey into the occult? Well, one writer decided to figure that out for herself mm. by spending an entire year as a practicing witch. Okay, so let me just say, uh, what does it mean to... Uh, um, you know, how, how do you even uh, decide to uh, look into a religion of the occult? I don't know. I generally don't. Uh, you know, I want to try on some of this occultish stuff. No, no, really. No, not at all. So they're plugging a lady's book about how witchcraft is a religion and fun uh, you know, and witchcraft belongs to a religion, but it's not really the one I think they they think. Uh, maybe they're not aware of its outcome, but they've chosen that side, and that side cannot actually win. But how are they so oblivious? Listen to this. Month seven, before I tried to make a connection with the goddess, who is a central figure in almost every form of witchcraft, whether or not she's a real deity up in the sky or she's a metaphor for the interconnectedness of everything on earth, there's Mm. this idea of the goddess. And I was hesitant around it because I didn't want to feel like I was playing make-believe. Again, this goes back to just being so afraid of feeling stupid. So I go Mm -hmm. and I set up this ritual to try and talk to a particular goddess Mm. and I'm by myself. Uh Uh-huh. In my office in Oakland, I'm sitting in front of an altar that I well. made out of a cardboard box. Sure. I have a stranger's playlist going on Spotify. My cat is on the other side of the door mm. staring at me. And after about an hour, something happened. Hmm. What happened? Hello. I just suddenly Someone playing felt music? flooded with oh. bliss. She was flooded, flooded with, with bliss. bliss. Mm. She was flooded with bliss. So something uh happened flooded with bliss okay maybe i don't know uh you know maybe possessed by a demon i don't know is that is that the bliss that she i don't praying to a goddess hmm now my initial reaction to this npr our story was a little eye rolling of course npr is on the side with witches uh then with a little annoyance a uh, tinge of, oh, wow, we're going to get what we deserve really soon. Um, but there are supposedly, according to NPR, more witches than Presbyterians. Mm, okay. 
USA Today claims we're in the middle of a witch moment and that hip witchcraft is on the rise in the U.S. Now, I don't know the difference between witchcraft and hip. You know what? You wear hats like this. Now I'm a hip. That's now what, I'm a hip. That's yeah. hip. That's what a hip witchcraft goes with that. Well, maybe hat? in Brooklyn. Okay. Maybe in what I year? Mean, okay. So anyway, <laughs> hip witchcraft is on the rise, <clears throat> and uh, you'll find articles on rich witchcraft all throughout the liberal media. May I just say, we used to know words like the occult. We used to know. Hmm, don't go there. I mean, even Michael Jackson addressed it in the... Th- remember he had to add that little thriller thing? I have no belief in the occult, I swear. You don't remember this? That's not helping the case. No, I mean, I, but like, it was such an issue that, right. you know, he made a movie about zombies dancing yes. and he had to have that disclaimer because people correct. didn't like the occult. Correct, correct. <laughs> right? So here is, uh, here's where I ended up on this story. Actually, a little bit of hope for the future because... We're just burning ourselves down to the ground. And I think people are waking up. I love all of the stories of, of uh, Jewish progressives that were on the front lines of everything. And they're now going, wait a minute. I think I'm surrounded by anti-Semites. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Been trying to tell you that. But you've been calling me an anti-Semite for saying that your friends are anti-Semites. So anyway, um, what does it mean to be a witch in 2023? What are the demographics? Well, obviously, the NPR crowd is into it or else NPR wouldn't be promoting books about witchcraft and the way they do it, the way witchcraft is as trendy and as helpful as veganism or yoga. Intersexuality is the buzzword here. The idea that the pests of society are stronger if they come together, combining their mental illnesses and criminal instincts like those Power Ranger rings. I keep wondering. What is it that unites all of these bizarre and obnoxious people, quite honestly? Well, they claim to be united by all ideas, like witchcraft. Christianity? No, no. All ideas, like the occult. Christianity? No, no. Like anti-racism. Oh, like Okay, everybody can, well, not everybody can reach the goals. I mean, you're white. You shouldn't be allowed to. Oh, okay, I got it. It's all this social justice nonsense. They want to world to believe all of this, but they never stand up for their own belief. Everything they claim to care about actually means nothing to them in reality. You can see this now on our college campuses that wanted diversity. Who's the most downtrodden in the world in world history? Probably I'd have to say the Jews. Nope, not anymore. Their most consistent characteristic is hypocrisy. Generally, they're unreliable people. I don't know. I I try not to hire them. It seems like they're evolving to uh, too quick to understand all of this, that the goalpost shifting so fast they just can't keep track but in reality they never deviate from the mission well not mission because because it's really about what motivates them why do they act the way they act why do they love to throw more tantrums than a teething toddler why are they 
constantly in your face. Why is it they just love to annoy? Well, this is where we get back to witchcraft. Have you ever heard the term edge lord? Hang on. Edge lord. <laughs> edge lord is a good word to know. Edge lord is a newfangled way to describe a certain personality type. They're an edge lord. It's like the person who's annoying and confrontational for no apparent reason. Although nothing happens for no reason, this is one of the few truths the left still acknowledges. The literal translation of edge lord would be the sarcastic title, Lord of Being Edgy. <laughs> Merriam Webster has a definition of edge lord. The word is taken hold to refer to one who makes wildly dark and exaggerated statements, usually on an internet forum, with the intent of shocking others. There is usually a tone of nihilism to such remarks, the kind that might be flagged by a counselor as antisocial behavior. So the Palestinian protests could be deemed full of edgelords. Witchcraft is an edgelord practice because what do edgelords want more than anything? They want to seem special. They want to seem very, very special. I'm a witch, you know. Oh, huh. Well, that is special, I guess. Which is why the most devastating, you can, devastating thing you can do to edgelords is to laugh them off. You know why? Stalin was an edgelord. Yeah. Hitler was an edgelord. Mussolini was an edgelord. They don't like it when people laugh at them. Mm -mm. Now, most witches I hear are liberal. And it should be no surprise uh, that witchcraft is especially a popu uh, popular among, believe it or not, transgender activists. Which are some of the biggest edgelords on the planet right now. One academic article says contemporary paganism, another word we used to say bad, contemporary paganism portrays gender in a array of different ways and as such is very inclusive of sexual diversity. No, paganism is? What does the occult have to say? Much of this phenomena happens through what pagans call witchcraft. But how does witchcraft help queer and transgender pagans take part in the pagan community? Well, we looked it up. One website describes witchcraft as an inclusive movement, which tends to appeal to a certain type of demographic. I know that demographic. Vice wrote uh, about how, to, uh, how witchcraft is empowering queer and trans young people. So now they're... They're soliciting, they are promoting witchcraft to trans young people and queer people. The article charts the spread of witchcraft through the history of feminism, pointing out that witchcraft is seeing a resurgence among queer identified young people seeking a powerful identity that celebrates the freedom to choose who you are. Yes, I promise you freedom. Here's the secret. Here's what unites all of them. Witches, leftist, transgender activists, NPR, the liberal media, all of them. These edgelords are fighting for relevance because that's what edgelords do. 
They pester, they annoy, they shock or try to shock in a bid to get attention. They're fighting for relevance. What they really need is a hug. That's what they need. They need a big old hug. They need love. They need boundaries, limitations. They need to be told because it's like their children. They don't believe that there's any rules at all. Yeah. I know. I remember when my children used to think that too. Why do we have to go to school? Well, because daddy says so. But remember, love is the fulfillment of law. Yes, your prayers can overtake a million witch curses. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. (laughs) Oh, I love that. The victory is already won. The best thing we can do is try to be aware that and teach our kids, hey, witchcraft, paganism, the occult, not something we should experiment with. You know who did? Hitler. Oh, my gosh. And Hitler loved the Palestinian movement. They have so much in common. Is it all starting to come clear now? The best thing we can do with any and every edge sword is to pray for their eternal soul. Other than that, edge lords lose their power when people stop watching them or stop caring. But I'm never going to stop caring. I'm going to love you and love you and love you. I'm going to show you the love of a real God. Yeah. Back in just a minute. Uh, it's unfortunately the case the events of 9-11 didn't stop taking lives on 9-12. The generation that is growing up right now knows almost nothing about it. It's sad but true, and that is exactly why our kids can't see the difference between Al-Qaeda and Hamas, ISIS and Hamas, because we didn't teach them anything. We're doing what the administration is doing right now. There's no evidence. There's no film. Nothing. Nothing of Islamic phobia that is, as the White House said yesterday, on par, if not worse, than the anti-Semitism we're seeing. Are you kidding me? Tell your kids the truth. Now, the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute was formed specifically for this reason, and they're helping to educate kids from kindergarten through 12th grade about the darkest day in our nation's history. If we don't know our history, we will repeat it over and over and over again. They have nonfiction, first-person accounts. They're told through videos and Discovering Heroes book series. They're moving stories that can help that new generation of kids to never forget. Full curriculum, social studies lessons, activities, background for teachers, speakers bureaus for classrooms, uh, access to 9-11, first responders, survivors, loved ones. They even have a mobile exhibit. It's a tractor trailer with an interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts. To never forget, we have to educate future generations. Help our nations honor the vow. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T. T, the number 2T.org. 10 seconds, station ID. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Stu. Glenn, that was a fascinating ride through 
through witchcraft. I did yeah, not so know. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was uh, no. I I, mm. uh, I mean, you hear about it if you listen. You'll hear about it a lot. People will be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I know a witch." Oh do oh oh you do. What do you what do you mean? If I listen to it, I'll hear about it a lot. No, I won't. Yeah, I think it's not will. like I missed people say, by the way, I'm a witch. And I was like, oh, yeah. How about those eagles? Like it was, <laughs> it was, if I, w- I would have stopped and noticed. Right. If you haven't heard anything about the growing witchcraft. I have not. Other than what you just outlined. Wow. Yeah. No, I live growing. in a bubble. I live you in do. a bubble you live where in a happy bubble. people don't cast spells and worship well, Satan. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. It's a weird bubble. Well, I mean, I know my mother-in-law does not. She worships the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jesus, and Mary, and Joseph, and she is Catholic, but she's Italian. So I'm not sure that the spell thing <laughs> doesn't happen, but it's not witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some, some other news. Uh, 78% of Americans polled two weeks ago all agree we're headed in the wrong direction. What are you talking about? Is it the paganism and the witchcraft? No. But we can make a comeback, and today is the day to make a comeback. Today is. Now, yes, it's a steep, steep climb. It's the Mount Everest of problems, okay? And the Mount Everest without any kind of harness or those, you know, teeth things on your shoes. Yeah, you'll have to climb with that auto. But we've done, well, kind of. We've kind of done that before. Our country has been gripped by the hands of evil progressives in the past. We've been war-torn more than once. We've been depleted of money, of hope, ingenuity. Today, it seems like we're depleted of every single admirable quality that once built this nation. But it's not true. It's not true. The media, Hollywood... Washington make you feel that way but to make a comeback it all depends on our kids huh so the weight of the nation's future falls on the shoulders of your little Jimmy sitting over there picking his nose hmm yes but I'm going to show you how trick-or-treat tonight if you do it right can teach them everything they need to know to turn this baby around yeah as a service to you how's that how's that yeah don't say i don't earn my money well i don't but don't say it the glenn back program somebody will figure it out uh does it seem suspicious to you that a disproportionate number of abortion clinics are placed in my minority neighborhoods hmm. it's interesting the founder of planned parenthood margaret sanger Huge supporter of eugenics and is on record saying that, you know, Planned Parenthood before it was called Planned Parenthood was just to eliminate all the undesirables and the, quote, Negroes, end quote. Oh, okay. well, let's forget about that. The tragic truth is that while the left is constantly pointing fingers at the rest of us crying racist, they're firmly behind eliminating more lives in the black community than gang violence could ever hope to touch. The Ministry of Preborn is on a mission to bring the hearts and souls of moms and babies together. The services are free. The assistant provided up to two years, but they can't do it without you. One ultrasound, which doubles the chance of a mom choosing life. One ultrasound is $28. Preborn has a 100% charity rating. 
Get involved now. Can you donate 28 bucks? It's pound 250 keyword baby or preborn.com slash Beck. Go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the code Glenn plus and save 36 bucks. All right, before I present a solution, let me just recap here. Today's birth rate is in decline massively in America. Socialists seem to have a vendetta against the nuclear family. But unfortunately, members of the far left are still reproducing despite global warming, which means that today's AOCs of the world are breeding many socialists. Little boys named Nine and little girls (laughs) named Tree are going to run this country someday uh, unless we teach our children the tenants that need to be used uh, to save our nation from this evil and future girl's name tree. We have to teach them about the ingenuity of America, the fervor that we had for the next generation's life to be better than our own. Have to teach them core freedoms that both sides of the political aisle in America used to cherish. And today, Halloween is the opportunity to teach your kids American greatness lesson one. Capitalism for, well, dummies or kids, whichever, you know, maybe your kids are, you know, 23 and they're dummies. Take them trick or treating tonight. Here it is. Now, close your eyes and think back a decade or two when you were a kid. Okay, it might be more like five or six decades if you're me, but the sun is setting here and the leaves are falling and the temperature is cooling and Halloween night approaches and you've got one thing on your mind. Do I have enough candy? Principle number one, incentive. Halloween is the holy grail for kids right next to Santa. What other day during the year do you get a free pass to stick your grimy, dirty, little snot-filled hand into a bowl of candy? What other day do you get to stay up late just to eat peanut butter cups, Jolly Ranchers, Kit Kat bars, to your own content without mom and dad, you know, saying anything? They've given you permission. It's the night. This presents the first core principle of capitalism, having a goal incentive something to work toward an objective that's attainable for all kids on october 31st no matter their size education economic status of their parents nothing they wish to collect as much candy as possible and that's the key to it all no grind no candy which brings me to capitalism principle number two no grind no candy it all starts with hard work Now, it's not easy running house to house when you have very little legs, especially when your costume is shaped so oddly that you can't quite move your arms or when your scary mask is hindering your view. But kids don't question it. They just do it. They trudge on street after street until they're blurry with sleep and they're like, and they're still going house after house, knowing that without a little work, their buckets are going to be empty. Without the sweat dripping down their Spider-Man back, they'll have nothing to show for it. Without that burn in their legs, their candy dreams will be forgotten forever. 
which leads us to capitalism principle number three. Competition is key. Now picture this. You're six or seven. Your treat bag is heavy, but your dad says you got to carry it yourself. Your little legs are getting tired. You, you started walking from door to door while the bigger kids continue at a steady jog. You're slowing down. You sledge up to the big white mansion on the corner of Elm and, Yo- uh, and Oak. And, and you know the one. It's the one you're going. Now, this one, this one is giving me full-size candy bars. You ring the bell. Trick or treat. Oh, you're so cute. The elderly woman smiles, compliments you on your costume. You say thank you because your parents taught you manners. But what you're really interested in is what's in the plastic cauldron she's reaching for. The one with the big goods. She brings it over to you and bam! It's Tootsie Rolls. Now you want to look at this old lady and like, where's the big stuff? Where's the good stuff? But you learn a lesson of capitalism. You got lazy. You got tired. I can't run as fast. You gave up. And the competition outworked you, outsmarted you. You let the bigger guys take control of the game and you lost because of it. Maybe next year you start at the big white house. Hmm? Capitalism principle number four that you can teach your kids. Private property 101. Forget the Tootsie Rolls. You just earned a nice paycheck after a hard night's Trudging around like a little witch. 234 pieces exactly. You've counted them. You've counted them twice. You've argued over some of them with your brother or sister. That's 70 pieces more than your little sister earned. But who's counting? After arriving home, counting, organizing into different categories every single piece, there's still one step before the Halloween feast can begin. The trade. Two dum-dums plus a Reese's cup for six of your starburst. Fair deal. Done. Traded. Pass over the dum-dums. In the spirit of Halloween, now let's talk about a truly terrifying scenario. What if contrary to the principles of private property, every single piece of candy that you, your sister, and your friends earned while trick-or-treating went into one huge pile and then everybody divided it up equally? At seven, you understand that's not fair. Or if dad comes in and says, wow, you have so much, I'm going to take 50% of it because I pay taxes that built the sidewalks that you walked on today. You would say, not really fair, dad. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, scaredy cat Sam, who's... Who's too frightened to walk past the ghost decorations on Helm Street, therefore missed out on the candy corn house, but still got some candy corn? Yeah, yeah, me, because I'm dividing it all equally. Yeah, candy corn. You didn't even want any candy. Everybody hates candy corn. This is the laissez-faire house, okay? I earn it. The candy's mine. That's the way it works. Now... The spirit of Halloween does not end tomorrow, which is monsters, ghouls, live among us every day. They live, kids, in a place called the Capitol, Washington, D.C. They gather daily, 
conspiring their evil plans under their scary masks with their loud, wicked laughs. They plot to take your candy and all the future candy that you are trying to collect. So when you hit the streets tonight with your little one, please do not do not pull them aside and tell them about and Adam Smith. Don't do it. Supply and demand free market. They're not going to understand that, but they will understand all four of these principles. And if you have not, there is in my household a tax on everything. And I started it with my kids very young and they understood Yeah, taxes aren't fair because sometimes dad just decides what the tax is. Hey, dad, while you're up, can you get me a bowl of ice cream from the fridge? Sure will. I put it all in a bowl. Is this how much you want? Yeah. Okay. I eat about mm, scoop and a half of it by the time I deliver it to the couch. What the what are you doing? Well, I mean, I pay for the fridge. I went and got it for you. Son, it's called a tax. That's not fair. I know. Remember that for all time. And that is the capitalist joy of Halloween. Considering how much the value of your dollar is going down day by day, uh, it's got to be a huge relief. uh, You know, when you can find something that doesn't seem to cost too much. It's one of the reasons I absolutely love Car Shield. Another reason, really, is, well, my car came to life last night. Started just mowing people down in the streets. It's pretty safe to say I was pretty upset about it, but not only did it run my friend and executive producer Stu over in the process, he was just trying to put up a scary skeleton in his lawn. But in the process, it it burned out several computer chips. And uh, man, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah, sure, Stu was a problem. But are, do you know how much a computer chip is for your car? When you enroll with CarShield, you're getting protection plans that start as low as $100 a month. Flexible month-to-month coverage. Your choice of an ASE certified mechanic. 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance and complimentary towing and rental car options. You also get no long-term contracts, and CarShield administrators will handle the paperwork and repairs so you don't have to. And your price will never go up, no matter how many claims you file, never go up as mileage in your car increases, nothing. CarShield, call them today, 800-227-6100, 800-227-6100, or visit carshield.com slash Beck and save 20%. Glenn Beck. Ah, yes, you used to be such a good shot. But then ammo got expensive, and you stopped practicing. And now, you can't even hit the broad side of a barn, and that is a major problem because the thing chasing you right now is a gigantic barn monster. Good thing I thought it was a broad. (laughs) One of them broads. No, it's a barn monster. And there's a barn monster coming after you. You need to. I mean, what is a barn monster? It's the type of thing that Stephen King comes up with when he's taking a break off Twitter. (laughs) Okay. Now it's coming after you. You can't hit it if only you would just continue to use the iTarget Cube. It's it's fully compatible with your existing laser bullets. You can buy one. You can upgrade to the three-pack for a truly unique training experience. 
and you can practice random shooting drills, clearing drills, or random mode to test your ability to react, all while the system uh, times every shot that you make. Uh, you can practice alone, you can compete with friends, and it works with your home's Wi-Fi, so you can place these things all over the house and get a really cool experience training without putting holes in your wall, without uh, spending all the money, without may, being chased by I a giant you, barn. May yes. I ask you, mm -hmm. uh, what if the broadside of a barn identifies as a he? That's, that's a very deep question. I don't know the answer to it, but go to itargetpro.com, save 10%, get free shipping as well with the code blaze10 at itargetpro.com. So I am, uh, I'm actually very um, happy to see that so many liberals are now realizing, wait a minute, maybe it wasn't anti-Semitic to say George Soros is on the wrong side. Uh, hmm. he, he, are they? I hope you're right. I hope, I hope they're I'm actually. I'm seeing a lot. I feel like I'm seeing it too, but I don't know if I, I'm just in a. I don't know if it's just coming through my feed because I see conservative media. I, I like, you know, what's her face? Mayim Bialik yeah. uh, has been just saying this. Uh, she's like, I can't believe this is happening. So many people saying, I never would have prepared myself for all this anti-Semitism on the left. Have you ever heard of the left before? I, this is central to so many of their worldviews. And none of us understood why you guys kept voting for Democrats so, over and over again. Because I think... You know, the one thing that I've tried to understand is how how Jews, liberal Jews, could side with the left because they are always so anti-Semitic. Uh, always. It's always underneath. And, you know, part of it is other issues they're prioritizing. Yes. I, you know, I get That's it. That's what uh, it is. You know, it's hard. It's You know, when this isn't at the top of your mind, maybe, you know, you're thinking, well, I'm going to vote on... I right. don't know, abortion or something. I don't know what the, what the and, issue is. And people, because we have a lot of friends, too, that do the same thing. They bury their heads in the sand. They don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear the things that they don't believe, and they don't want to hear bad things. Because they either don't want to hear it because they can't deal with it, or they think they can't. Or they think that those things can't happen anymore. That you're just yeah. you're just trying to scare people into things that it, they all can happen. They happen over and over and over again in history for a reason. I think too the the media is guilty here because they publicize you know something like Charlottesville again that was six years ago. Uh, and again, everyone goes back to Charlottesville because there's no other real examples. But uh, you know, Jews will not replace us. Jews will not replace us. And it's like, well, we've got a hundred of these rallies going on every day right now that are much worse than that. Oh, yeah. And no one seems to care at all. And they get this, I think some people get the impression that, uh, okay, maybe the right has a, a massive anti-Semitism problem as well. And it's not, it doesn't, it's not non-existent no. on some forms of, even particularly what was called the alt-right. It's existent, it does exist there. But generally speaking, this is much more of a problem on the left and has been for a very long time going back to the 30s. You know what I mean? On both communists and fascists. Mm. Those are both rooted in Marxism. Yeah, exactly. And so the anti-Semitism is built in. And, you know, it, it amazes me. I, I've talked about the um, the Grand Mufti of, of Jerusalem for how long? For, you so, have. And he's the guy who started the Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood give birth to Hamas. 
He lived in Berlin in World War II for a while just to cozy up to Hitler and to get the plans of the extermination camps. He was planning on building them all over the Middle East so there wouldn't be a Jew left in the Middle East. That's where this comes from. That's why I've said this before. It jumps at the end of each Holocaust. It jumps and plants itself someplace. This time, because of the Grand Mufti, it it jumped into Palestine, uh, you know, the Palestinian area and uh, and Persia, Iran. That's where this is all bubbling from. And it all stems directly from the Nazis. And I can prove it. I have the pictures. I have the paperwork. I have everything in our vault. And you, you have to understand that this is what this really is all about. But people don't want to think that it could happen again. They think because, you know, I'm wrong about X. You got to be wrong about ABCDEFG as well. No. Maybe the Republicans should do an outreach program. You know, something like uh, Republicans. We might disagree with you on the size of social programs, but we're the party that doesn't want you wiped off the face of the earth. Something like that, just, just, you know, like a little outreach. Hey, we're the ones that don't want you dead. Vote us. <laughs> like, I don't know. Is that, could that work? I don't know. I believe that the ADL might call that anti-Semitic. How? We are saying we don't want you dead. That's all we're saying. We know what? Tax rates, we might disagree with you on it a little bit. You know what? The gay marriage policy, we may have a couple quibbles, but we don't want you executed. We don't want from the river to the sea to be empty of Jews. That's the Republican promise. Yeah, but see, the ADL knows what you're saying, by the way. Uh, I'm not. I know. I have not. I mean, I don't I know. know. I'm sure the ADL has said some stuff against about some of the anti-Semitism that has popped up. I have not seen it myself. No. But I'm sure maybe they have. I've seen more. I've seen full page ads about me and my anti-Semitism. Of course. From the ADL and from these liberal Jewish communities. The Defender of Israel Award winner Glenn Beck yeah. and all of his anti-Semitism. And I, I, I've seen that. I have, I have not heard nary a word, at least... You know, in casual looking, I haven't looked for the ADL, but you'd think they'd be leading the way here. (laughs) And they're only here to when someone tweets something slightly off of uh, out of place from what they believe should be tweeted. They're there to step up. But when there's hundreds of thousands of people gathering all across the country saying they want all Jews dead. Ah, shoulder shrug. We're on vacation. Well. 50%. 50%. It's down now to 50% agree with Israel. It's down 50%. But there are some people who are opening their eyes. I want to talk to them next. The Glenn Beck Program. I'm really surprised that Alex would have trouble dating. <laughs> right? You know, I, it's really, like, I, I, who huh. would have thought? I, right. It really is uh, shocking. Wait a know. minute. Wait a minute. There they are. Looks to. Oh, no. Filthy, disgusting creatures more dead than alive. Ugh. Is that... My gosh, it's Alex... It's Alex Stein. <laughs> He's ravaged the countryside, moaning, holding his arms out, attacking people. Just this morning... Oh my gosh, is that true? He just ate our executive producer, Ricky. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Terrible it's news. Time, it's the zombie apocalypse, yes! And it's... 
it's well not just Al- it's all the victims of bidenomics things got really tough and now they're just eating people haphazardly on the street if you'd like to avoid that halloween idea please the largest preparedness com- uh, preparedness company in the country right now they're offering huge state uh, savings what is wrong with me on the three-month emergency food kit you're going to get delicious variety of breakfast, lunch, dinners, 2,000 calories a day, plus off-grid room heaters are available, biomass stoves. My Patriot Supply has all of it. Please check it out now, mypatriotsupply.com. That's mypatriotsupply.com. People are waking up, and we have an opportunity to either go, told ya, or to welcome people in and welcome them back to eternal values. We'll go there in 60 seconds. The world is short on good news right now, although in 30 minutes I have some really good news. Um, because of people like you, every single day, the Ministry of Preborn is helping to rescue 200 babies from being aborted. Think about what those 200 beautiful human beings can do. Now they've been given the chance to survive, so they'll be able to do it. Preborn offers free ultrasounds, so expecting mothers get to meet their unborn child and hear his or her little heart beating in the chest. And that's not all. They also offer mothers maternity clothes, doctor's visits, the help they need when choosing life for a full two years. And all of this they do because of generous people like you who believe in saving lives and giving what you have. $28 donation is the price of an ultrasound. Could mean the difference between life and death of a child and it's all tax deductible. It goes directly to that work. If you have the means, would you consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way? Your tax deductible donation of 5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours, helping to rescue 200 babies. To donate, Dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com slash Beck. Sponsored by Preborn. So I want to read a a story here. The Great Betrayal, out in the news today from the Free Press. After Donald Trump was elected, Emily Rose, 51, flew to New York with her daughter to walk in the Women's March. She demonstrated on the streets of Minneapolis, where she lives in the days after George Floyd's murder. 
She donated money to small black led movements and social justice organizations she believed in. She unlearned and then re-educated herself as a white American as she was instructed to read the teachings of anti-racist scholars. But then, after the massacre in Israel on October 7th, when some 1,400 Jews were brutally murdered, not to mention the rapes, beheadings, and in instances of torture, Rose began to notice something odd from the cohort of fellow progressives she admired. They were cheering for the other side. She said, quote, I started to see these intelligent, educated people whose missions is to make our system better for people of color suddenly posting all this anti-Israel, pro-Palestinian stuff. I'm not changing my values, but screw the allyship. I'm not going to stop fighting because I believe in the causes themselves. But as for going out of my way to support, to post, to give money, I'm done. While professional politics uh, or politicos like DSA founder Maurice Iserman are publicly stepping down from their parties and denouncing the organizations that justify or even cheer the events of October 7th and wealthy Jewish donors claw back their millions from elite universities that they say helped foment anti-Semitism on their campuses. There's a quieter, more personal reckoning happening among progressive Jews. Like Rose, they feel betrayed by a left that they thought would have their backs. Dove, a 30-year-old Canadian musician who didn't want to share her last name for privacy reasons, is transgendered and self-proclaimed political progressive. But since October 7th, she says, every time I open Instagram, I'm just like blocking or deleting people that I thought I knew. It's cloaked anti-Semitism. Josh Gilman, 37, lives in Arizona, prides himself on having friends across the political spectrum, says he's been muting even close friends who espouse anti-Zionist views. I don't need the emotional distress. If there's someone who is truly my friend, it makes me feel that there's they very much don't understand who I am as a person. He cut people out who he had invited to dinner at his home and he had trusted around his family and children. There is a line in the sand, he said. Nate Clark, 34, lives in Virginia. He's marched for gay rights in 2020 for the removal of statues of Confederate soldiers in his home state. He said his choice to stand up for others is rooted in his Jewish identity. As a Jew, I felt it would be weird if I went to Germany and took a right turn down Hitler Avenue or saw a statue of Eichmann and then heard people say, oh, it's our history. We're just proud of our history. Since October 7th, he's found himself politically homeless. The Jewish progressives the free press spoke to said they no longer believe in a left that sees their own people's plight. They feel torn. They don't want to give up on their progressive causes, but they've marched for and believe in them. And they don't feel kinship with Israel's allies on the right, like evangelical Christians and social conservatives. When you look at the political right, you see a group that seems very comfortable with Jews in Israel and very uncomfortable with Jews at home. When you look at the political left, you see a group that seems very comfortable with Jews at home and very uncomfortable with Jews in Israel. Amelia Adams, a writer and comedian in New York, said she first noticed Jewish suffering being downplayed in May 2021 during the last bout of violence between Hamas and Israel. She called it the start of gaslighting. She said now it's at another level. So the one thing I'm sad about and i 
and I think it's true, is they don't feel kinship with Israel's allies on the right, like evangelical Christians and social conservatives. This isn't just an American thing. The many of the Jews in Jerusalem are uncomfortable with American liberal Jews. Uh, many of the Jews in Tel Aviv are very uh, not accepting of the Jews who are practicing their faith um, in traditional ways. That is the divide here. It's whether you are you are applying the laws of the Torah or of the Bible in Christian's case, and you're actually living them. Or if you dismiss that and just put religion in with culture, it's it's it is culture, but it is more than culture. It, it is a way that directs your life. It's a way that helps you make decisions every day. And for those of us who actually believe in those things, it is hard to understand people who might have the same background, but they've lost why they are different. They've lost the understanding of what sets them apart, the miracle of the, the establishment or reestablishment of Israel. But I would love to have these conversations with people. I would love to. You know, I've been, I have many Jewish friends who are not conservative like I am, but we respect each other. And I don't think that they're off into the never, never world of, you know, craziness. But they don't agree with me necessarily politically. And we have talked about this for a long time, and they have disagreed with me on people like George Soros. And I'm sorry, but you're being naive. You're being naive. So what brings us together as people? See, we have constantly thought that our diversity is our strength, but it's not. Our diversity is dividing us, and it's divided us so far, it's like, um, you know, our diversity is, is, a, is the spice of life. It's, it really is what makes all of us different, and it's great. But if you're making a meal and you put too much spice into it, the entire meal becomes inedible. It has to be balanced. What brings the spice is supposed to bring out certain flavors in the food. It's not a rejection of the food. And our spice, our differences has gotten so powerful and so strong. It's a rejection of the main meal. It thinks that it is more important than the meat. It's not. People came here for a, a, an idea, in fact, several ideas, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So for anybody who feels politically homeless, I understand. I feel politically homeless. Many, many on my side feel politically homeless because we don't think that the Republicans represent us at all because they're playing games. Some of us. 
we really believe in things. And if you're like that and you really, truly believe in things and you marched because you believe in it, I get it. Just like we said during the George, Lloyd's, uh, George Floyd thing, there is a reason we all actually agree, but then political entities like BLM Inc., that's a global corporation, they were using the people. They believe in the destruction of the family. You don't believe in the destruction of the family. That's their goal. One of their goals. The destruction of the nuclear family. What happened is you were had. And I don't know why. But it's happened to me. It's happened to a lot of us. You just get had. So. How can we come back together? We. We all believe in equality. Now, I know there's Nazis on all sides, apparently. But those who actually understand America and our Bill of Rights, which used to be very important to the liberal Jewish community, our Bill of Rights guarantees these things. Equality. We believe that all individuals, regardless of their background, Deserve equal rights and opportunities where we might differ a bit is if it is to the detriment of another group. And it has to be based on merit. How does the how does graduating an entire class of students that cannot pass basic reading and math tests serve equality? That only paralyzes those people. I don't care what color they are. We need to understand people's backgrounds and challenges, but we do not need pilots that can't pass basic basic math tests. There are standards for bridge builders. We we don't we hurt people when we don't hold them accountable. We believe in freedom. That's a core value. And it's not just political freedom, but also freedom of speech, religion, and expression. You may not have been for the Second Amendment, but the right to defend yourself, I think you might have gotten after October 7th. You have a natural right to be able to defend yourself and your family. If someone comes in with a gun, you need to be able to protect yourself and your family. It's your responsibility. And it's the responsibility of the society we all are in to enforce the laws when they are broken and not excuse them. We're not excusing. I, you know, the Palestinian people, I think, have been used by everybody, everybody. And nobody seems to care about them in the Middle East. No one. They don't want them. Nobody wants them. But they'll use them. But we don't. Take that plight and excuse kidnapping, rape, beheading, killing of innocents. We don't. There's no excuse for that. Nobody marched into Germany and went, well, you know, it was the Versailles Treaty. I mean, and then France insisted that they take some of their land and and then they were taking the crops because they couldn't. I mean, we really created Hitler. I think in a way Woodrow Wilson did Set the conditions for Hitler. But that doesn't excuse a single German 
for participating in or remaining silent on the Holocaust. We don't say, well, we have to understand them. No, we don't. No, we don't. There are lines we do not cross. We believe in democracy in our republic. The principle that the government derives its power from the consent of the governed. We agree. We agree on ensuring the right for representation in our constitutional republic. We actually also really agree on protecting the vote. We're being lied to by both parties. Neither of them really want to fix it. We believe in opportunity. The so-called American dream, the belief that with hard work, anyone can improve their circumstance and achieve success. I've seen it done over and over and over again. And do some people need a helping hand? Yes. Can we be better? Yes. Unity. We agree on this. Despite diversity in thought, background, and beliefs, the idea of being united, one nation, remains powerful for most people. We don't want to break up. We need to learn how to live with one another. Resilience, the ability to overcome challenges and adversity. That's, that's the pioneer. That's the immigrant. That's the, the movements that have shaped the nation. Resilience. We believe in that. Now, I don't know if we do. The left doesn't. Civic responsibility. The belief in participating in civic duties, voting, volunteering, being informed about national and local issues. And like I said, Yes, respect for diversity, but as a melting pot, we melt into each other. We don't reject the meat of our Bill of Rights, of what built us. This adds our spice. Our, our strength does not come from diversity and multiculturalism. The spice comes from that. Our strength comes from the Bill of Rights. I invite you to join us back into common sense. We may disagree on a lot of things, but we believe that people shouldn't be killed. Innocent people shouldn't be killed. Um, Coming to a theater near you. Yes. Five college students. This is a totally new idea. Spending the weekend in a cabin way out in the middle of the woods and doing all the things that college students do at cabins in the woods while alone. You know, walking around in their underpants, showering without locking the door, walking backwards into a room without looking to see what was in there first, buying stuff online without any protection of their personal information. Yes, it could happen to you. That's what the cyber criminal is hiding in the woods he was hoping for. He sounds dangerous, sure, sure. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting your life, even if you don't go into the cabin in the woods on a dark, dark night. It's equally important to realize there are measures you can take to keep from, you know, it happening. Like the guy going, you're, you're not going to go in there without protection, right? Yeah, what could happen? I can tell you what happens. I've seen the movie before. Now, nobody can prevent all identity theft or stabbings in a cabin, but... 
LifeLock with Norton can help protect what's yours. Right now, save up to 25% off your first year with promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. Save 25% now. LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. 10 seconds. Station ID. It's interesting you're talking about this. I, w- I was looking at a uh, a poll that came out a couple of months ago. It was in June of this year of Jewish American voters. Fascinating to look at now. And I, I wonder how much this has changed since October 7th. Uh, for example, um, the one that strikes me right off the bat is who do you trust more to fight anti-Semitism? Again, asked of American Jewish voters, Republican Party, Democratic Party, both the same or neither. In 20, uh, June 2023, uh, the Democratic Party was the one that was going to protect against anti-Semitism 57%, Republicans only 22%. What an incredible, I mean, That's the fascinating. Democratic Party has gone so far to the left and they've been hijacked by the left long ago. Mm-hmm. And they have done such a good job on just conning everybody into what they stand for. They don't stand for that. Now, the priorities, uh, this is partially an issue of priorities. Um, the, uh, the, t- the American Jewish voter, according to this poll, you know, is emotionally attached to Israel, 72 to 28. They say they are emotionally attached to Israel as opposed to not being emotionally attached. However, as far as priorities, only 6% say Israel is a priority. So the number one was the future of democracy, at 37%, then inflation in the economy, 28, abortion, 26, climate change, 25, guns, 24, immigration, 13, national security and foreign policy, 12, uh, health care, 12, social security, 10, Hang on, Israel, I don't, 6. I don't uh, I don't think that that's necessarily right. You know how passionate I am about Israel. You might pick one of those others instead. Yeah, I would pick. I, it wouldn't be in my top up until recently. wouldn't be in my top 10. You know, there are things we have to fix. This is our sure. country. We've got to work on our country. I wonder how much that's changed, though. Yeah. Would Israel be higher on that list today? I assume it would be at least double, but shouldn't it be toward the top of the list now if you happen to be an American Jewish voter? Probably. I would think so. It's your only home that the you Glenn own. Program. The Second Amendment exists for a very good reason. It's both your fight to protect your own freedom and safety and your responsibility to protect your family. Um, But your responsibility also to know how to use your gun, to be proficient at it. If you're just going out and buying a gun to have a gun and I want it in the house just in case and you you're not practicing with it, leave it in the safe, please, for the love of Pete. Going to the gun range, however, getting instruction, dropping a ton of money every time you buy ammo. These are the things that can throw a monkey wrench into your plans to maintain your ability to shoot consistently and well. That's why there is a need. It's called Mantis X. It's a high-tech, easy-to-use system, widely used by the military, started with the Marines. It helps you improve your shooting quickly. You attach it to your firearm, then connect it with an app on your smartphone or tablet and via Bluetooth. And whether you're you're actually firing rounds or you're dry fire practicing, it'll give you instant feedback on what you're doing wrong and how to correct your technique. 94% of the shooters improve within 20 minutes. I'm one of them. It's great. Start improving right now. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's MantisX.com.
And it's blazetv.com slash Glenn. We could save big right now. 36 bucks off your annual subscription to Blaze TV. Use the code Glenn Plus. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Let me read a tweet I saw yesterday from a man named Rabbi Shmuel Reichman. He said, quote, Israel is experiencing a metamorphosis. Just a moment ago, Israeli TV anchor from Channel 14, Sharon Gall, asked a guest to borrow his yarmulke in order to recite a blessing to thank God for freeing a soldier that, he, that was held hostage in Gaza. A few months ago, Israel was on the verge of a civil war revolving around the religious identity of Israel or the lack thereof. Now, after three weeks of existential awakening, we're seeing non-religious Jews all over Israel connect to their Jewish roots in the most profound and inspiring of ways. He writes, darkness creates space for beautiful moments of light. That is great. You know, the old saying, there are no atheists in a foxhole. I don't know. I've never fought a war with Penn Jillette. I bet he sticks to it. But I like the way the rabbi just put it. Darkness creates space for moments of light. And that's what's happening. And it's the way we say this. A friend taught me once that there's life can be divided in two things, not good or bad or happy and miserable. There are two ways to categorize categorize life's events. And they are the events that push you away from God and those events that bring you closer to God. Now, you think you get that because I thought I got that. You think you get that until you realize, wait a minute. That's actually only one category of events because the events can do either one of those things. It's up to me to decide. An event that happens to you that is horrifying could push Jews October 7th. How could God allow this to happen and push them further from God? Or they can see something and say, wait a minute, error of our ways what are we doing? Reevaluate. We got to get closer to God. And that's what they've chose. That's, that's, that's their choice. Israel has not been immune to the same slow walk away from God like, like us. Generation after generation, we lose our traditions. We lose our values. We lose our way of life because the next generation doesn't. We haven't shown them the value and they haven't had those events that forced them to really look at what's eternally true. But tragedy makes you reevaluate. It's not I'm I'm I am. I'll be so shocked if I'm standing on the other side of life. And I I see a God who's like, oh, you're darn right. That was a punishment. I punish the snot out of you, lazy kid. I cannot relate to a God like that. I can relate to a God that says, I tried to tell you. That's going to leave a mark. Don't do that. And life is what it is. 
and you just didn't learn over and over and over again. You know, the the atheist thing in a foxhole, I don't think is entirely true, but it is for a lot of people because a lot of people don't. They don't think about things until death comes along. You know this if you've ever hit absolute rock bottom. You have two options, death or God. It's that simple. Death or I surrender to God. Sometimes, like my mom, she chose death. We're like the Pharaoh in the midst of plagues. We, get, we dig our heels in. We become hard-hearted. We dig our heels in even more. Oh, yeah? We reject God and tradition and human decency, and we become the evil we think we're fighting. But if we choose to take the events of the future and the events now and allow that to bring us closer to God, the tragedy is not going to go away. It's not. It doesn't change. But you will change. That's the amazing miracle. You've changed. I don't know if I've become a better person or a worse person in the last 20 years doing this job every day. I've tried to become a better person than I was, you know, last year and 20 years. If you've been listening to me for the, I don't know if you've seen good changes or bad changes, but I. It's nobody is promised an easy life. But I feel like I have changed. Still something senseless and devastating happens. All the time. Maybe it already has in your life. God's not offering you a way out. This, he's offering a way through it. And these tiny flickers of light in tragedy are lighting the way. That's where we need to put our hope. There is something bigger than us that will allow us to get through it. You gotta go through the storm. It's on the horizon. It's here. Batten down the hatches, reevaluate your life, get right with eternal truths, and we'll get through it. There's a greater story behind, behind our tragedy. What if we just talked about the Donner family, the Donner party? Yeah, they ended up eating each other on the Rockies, and we never talked about all of the pioneers that crossed the mountains and didn't eat each other. Those are the good stories. And it doesn't mean we have to go around and just tell the happy stories all the time. But having hope is not being about happy or sad. It's really only one question. Will I let this dark moment push me away from God or bring me closer? You'll get through it. We all will. But it's amazing how many people don't even, they don't understand, and I, and I get it, because I think some people look at God people and say, you know, they're all frauds. And, you know, I, I, we all know frauds, and, and God forbid we're fraudulent. That's why I always ask I don't know. Am I, why am I doing things? Am I a good person, bad person? What am I, what's my motivation? We all have that. But if you don't, 
we're on different planets now. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're asking yourself that question, you're not a fraud. I mean, you're, you're trying to get to the answer. And look, it's not always easy to know exactly how to act. And it's certainly not easy to act the way you want to act all the time. Um, that's that's not fraudulent. I mean, that's us human beings falling yeah. down, which is part of this process. Right. Um, but like, I don't even like some people don't even don't even understand the idea of trying to live up to these values. This is a. This is something that Jen Psaki did on the air the other day. Now, Jen Psaki, of course, you remember, is the uh, yeah, press the secretary press um, and now has become a television host where, you know, arguably she was actually, she's actually uh, more, was, I don't know, more skeptical uh, on, as the pre- White House press secretary than she is as the actual host on MSNBC. That's how mm. bad MSNBC is. But listen to this clip. She's talking about Mike Johnson, who's a new boogeyman on the left. They never heard of him until two weeks ago, but yeah. now he's, he's now the he's worse than Hitler. Hitler. Worse than Hitler. Uh, he's, he's the worst guy in the world. And why? Well, he's a religious nut, apparently. Oh. And they're trying to prove this case on MSNBC. Listen to the clip they play, but even more importantly than the clip they play from Johnson, listen to her reaction to it. I mean, she is flabbergasted that someone would think this way. Listen to this. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Someone asked me today in the media, they said, it's curious, people are curious, what does Mike Johnson think about any issue under the sun? I said, well, go pick up a Bible off your shelf and read it. That's, that's my worldview. You heard that right. The Bible doesn't just inform his worldview, it is his worldview. In fact, during his first speech in his new job, Johnson suggested that his election as speaker was an act of God. Talk about a bit of a humble brag there. I mean, mm. what is the point of this if you don't have a biblical worldview? Right? Like, why? Only 7% of Americans hold a biblical worldview and can attach the biblical lessons. 7%, 7%. can attach the biblical lessons to today's events. My question is, what are you doing with your Sundays? The National know. Football League is on all day. You don't need to spend time going to church if you're not going to have a biblical worldview or at least well, entertain that idea. Why not go on a nice road trip every Sunday? There's tons to do. It's kind of interesting, too, that you wouldn't you wouldn't allow the Bible to be your worldview um, and shape everything that you do if you do go to a Christian church. I mean, it's like going yeah. to a Nazi rally and say, yeah, but I really don't like, you know, Mein Kampf. It's, <laughs> I, it doesn't it's guide so my wordy, life at all. You know, I mean, <laughs> the, the ideas in there, I, I really reject a lot of it. <laughs> what, what are you doing? It's funny. It's like, look, People will look at the Bible and take a lesson from the Bible and at times, obviously, apply it in different ways. But if you're going to church and you're saying you're a Christian, that should at least be the prism you're seeing these things through at some level, no? So I went to a universalist church, okay? It was on in Connecticut. It was on the main green in one of the towns, maybe Cheshire, I can't remember. And I went and Tanya and I were there. And halfway through the sermon, I'm not kidding, you know this, <laughs> halfway through the sermon, the preacher said, now, you all know that I don't believe in God. And Tanya and I were like, that comes as a shock to me. Is anybody else shocked by that? That should be out on the front step someplace. You know, our pre- come here, a preacher that doesn't believe in God. But um, what he was, what he followed it up with, but if there is a God, we should serve him. 
And even if you don't believe in God, you can serve your fellow man. Okay, so they take this and they disconnect it from God. But once you disconnect it, then it allows man's perversions to go into social justice because you've disconnected it from it is God's justice and only he can provide real justice. Your job is to equally judge your fellow man if he does wrong. Okay, you you do just laws and you try to err on the side of the innocent. That's the biblical part of it. Once you sever that, now you can go, well, there is no forgiveness for white people. Or there is no forgiveness for black people. Imagine, imagine this is what the church said in ancient days. There's no way. I mean, they have the sin of killing Christ, those Jews. Well, wait, what? That's the same thing as social justice today. Who's just for a different reason, a different topic. You've got to root yourself in the the revealed word of God. That seems to be obvious, I think. And, but you look at the way she talks about that. It's like, oh, it's it's sort foreign. of this like, yeah, it's like, you know, well, we all get together on Thanksgiving and eat, uh, you know, eat turkey like it's like this tradition, you know, uh, yeah, we, we go to church sometimes, you know, it's, 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 we know what it is, you know, it's, we, our parents went and we went when we were kids. I remember that. That was fun. Like, uh, it's, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. At one point, uh, Dennis, uh, uh, says, Hey, remember feelings? And they're got, they're like, wait, you don't have feelings? <laughs> wait, you guys still have those? It's like, that's what it's like. It's like this like yes. old timey thing. They kind of remember it was a quaint part of their life, but they don't think about it at all anymore it's not relevant to them today can you believe this guy actually thinks about the bible still and when you realize on the supreme court at the top is moses in the center in our house of representatives in our congress moses is above the speaker of the house moses the great lawgiver and we just disconnect from him and Mm. say oh he plays no role it's not possible. How often do you point to something you've uh, bought with real justifiable pride? Something that generates a, uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Look at this. Look at this. I'm doing good things. Patriot Mobile is one of those companies that you should feel that way. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone company. They offer dependable nationwide coverage so you can access any of the three major networks that everybody's on. But you don't have to worry about that part of the bill that's going to fund leftist causes. Send a message to yourself, to your family, to the rest of the country. You believe in and support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment. Because this company takes a good share of their profits and pours it in to individual communities that are standing up for those things. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. They're on our side. 972-PATRIOT. 972-PATRIOT. Free activation when you use the offer code Beck. Join me and make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck or 972-PATRIOT. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program.
Hey, tomorrow on the Wednesday night special at 9 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to show you what all of this could mean in the Middle East. The new axis of resistance, which the, uh, you know, the chief voodoo guy of uh, of Iran called Russia and China and uh, Syria, the axis of resistance. What do each of these people want? What does it mean to you, your family? I don't know exactly what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if it's the battle, but the army surrounding Israel right now. Armageddon is literally what they want. I'm going to show it to you tomorrow night in their own words, what their goal is from the radicals and the leftist as well. I'll show you what they truly believe in their own words. Some from mosques right here in the United States. Are we on the brink of global war and is Israel ground zero? Don't miss this week's Wednesday night special. That's tomorrow on Blaze TV. The Glenn Beck Program. Let me talk to you a little bit about American Giant. You know, it's that same dream again. You walk down the long, spooky hallway. You know, the one with the creepy kids. Singing. I don't know why that creeps me out, but it does. Now you're standing in the classroom with your perfectly prepared essay on the mating habits of walruses. And as you start to speak, your clothing just dissolves and falls onto the floor. Now you're standing naked in front of the whole class and they're laughing at you, laughing at you. Oh, if only you hadn't bought cheap clothing manufactured in China. Jada, if only you'd bought American clothing from American Giant. We need to get back to the independent spirit of American manufacturing, where we build things to last. Right, right, even in your dreams. These are the clothes of your dreams, the American dream. Go to American-Giant.com slash Glenn. It's American-Giant.com slash Glenn. The one and only Andrew Dreis Clavin joins us in, in just a second. Stand by. <laughs> America, it's Halloween, and the spookiest guy we know, Andrew Dice Clavin.
joins us in 60 seconds. Oh, it's the knock on the door. It came late at night. You open it, and there in the rain and the lightning and the thunder, he stands. Your real estate agent. He reaches up and removes the paper hat from his head. Sorry, I'm so late. I just got done delivering my last pizza for the night. And now it's, now it's, uh, let's get started on your home. Get it ready for sale. It's only then, as you invite him in and he asks you, do you have any beer? That you realize you've made a horrible mistake in choosing a real estate agent. Good thing I passed that real estate agent's test. Well, almost. Maybe you should have gone with real estate agents I trust. It's a company that I own. Yes, owned by the man himself. And we pair you with the best agents in your area. Yes, ones without the paper hats. Even those. They're people who know the best practices. Full-time agents committed to bringing you the best home buying and selling experience possible. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Mr. Andrew Clavin, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you very much. You have the most entertaining commercials on the air. <laughs> How are you? It's so uh, so good to talk doing? to you. Very good. Very good. Um, I, I, I guess you're here because you want to talk about this book called The House of Love and Death, which is I do. fantastic, Andrew. I'm not going to say that on the air. Oops, we're on the air. Can stations edit this out? Uh, it's, it's fantastic, Andrew. Really fantastic. Now, let me just... Let me just ask you a couple of questions. A couple of questions on it. All right. The 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 lead character, Cameron Winter, tough guy, old soul, loves classic literature, loves seeing bad guys get punished. Really, really smart. He sounds a little like you. <laughs> well, he's much better looking. That's the first thing. <laughs> well, that's that's that, that's not that hard. Elevates him. <laughs> <laughs> but but he is the development of the things I've been working on all my life about you know the question of how you can be a good man in a bad society, how you can uh, hold some uh, an ideal inside of yourself without becoming a fool, you know, and without expecting the world to live up to your ideals while you expect yourself to do it. These are things that came to me as a kid from all the tough guy literature I read. And it just seemed, you know, I was basically in the year 2000, I was watching TV and I saw all these, all these antiheroes come in, you know, the Sopranos yeah. and Breaking Bad and the shield and all one after. And I've been writing those in the 1990s. I've been writing them for 10 years before that. And I started to think, you know, it's time to see if how the bad guy becomes a good guy, how the anti-hero becomes a hero again. Yes. Because, because I thought those, those guys were basically an expression of outlawed masculinity. I thought the idea was you're not allowed to be a man, so only an outlaw can be a man. So we're going to tell stories about outlaws because we want to hear stories about men. And, and I think, like, I, I, my problem with that, obviously, is you wind up, you don't want to wind up admiring the Sopranos or admiring Correct. A, a, Correct. a meth dealer. You know, and, and that's, I think, the, the position we put men in. It's why they follow a guy like Andrew Tate, who's a pimp and a woman abuser, because at least he speaks bluntly. At least, at least he speaks something yeah. that resembles the truth, as, as opposed to all the polite, politically correct lies I, we're supposed to tell. I find myself strangely attack, attracted to Yellowstone for the same reason. I, I love the family values, except their family kills people. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yes. we want the old America back, the one that makes sense. 
hang him. You know, you're like, no, wait, hold it. Something just happened. <laughs> yes, you know, that that's it. So, so I made this character who has done all that. He's done all the killing. He's done the, the stuff that made him a bad guy. And now he started to think, wait a minute, this is not who I started out to be. How do I make my way back? How do I make my way back? And those, those are the questions that the novels are sort of asking one at a time as he tries to find out the person that he was supposed to be. You know, it's not it's not that simple. You know, it's not it's not a simple thing to say in a society like ours where people are just lying constantly, telling you things about sex that aren't true, telling you things about money that aren't true, telling you all these things that aren't true. It's not easy to speak the truth and take the hits that you have to take. You get thrown off your social media to be, be hounded out of school, to be hounded out of jobs. How does he do that? How does he make that happen, especially as he's working at a university with all these stuff, this stuff festers. So it is, it is kind of a reflection of things I've been thinking about, though, as I say, he's a much, much better looking guy than I am. And he's also a, um, uh, the book also takes on a lot of stuff, but, but it's all kind of undercurrent, never really takes it on in some ways. Uh, just it's, it's a reflection of today. Let me give you a few lines. He had a white, brilliant smile. I can't. I can't stop looking at you. I'm not beautiful. I'm not even sure I want to be a girl yet. Oh, he said, oh, be a girl. And on the instant, she utterly was. Another one. And you what? Don't think Mateo's the murdering kind? More or less. Could he wipe out an entire family like that? Almost certainly not. Were you aware he was addicted to violent pornography? I wasn't. Uh, here's another one. Uh, Matteo and Lilia playing a VR game together in which he's bullied by anonymous player. Um, multiple uh, players get tied up with a uh, uh, mob of illegal drug runners. The inspector who's in cahoots with the Mexican drug runners tries to deflect any criticism by decrying racism. Feds have been dumping illegals up here for years. Mexicans mostly and some of them further south. Bus them in or fly them right up to the border. They break the law. They sneak into the country. Next thing you know, they're here in Maidenville or Maidenvale. Feds just drop them off and we're supposed to deal with it. Changes the whole demographics of the place. And what are we supposed to do? Pull jobs for them out of the air? This is a nice town. Nice people here. They work hard to get where they are. It's, it's not that they're being mean or anything. It's just too much, too fast, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, mental health, all of it. You hit all of it. But it's not... What? It's it's where we live, you know. I'm just setting a story in the place that we live in, and not trying to lie about it. That's all I'm doing. I'm not. It's, I'm all about the story. That's all I care about. But I'm not going to set it in fairyland. I'm tired of turning on Netflix and watching a world that doesn't exist, and being told that my moral structure can only adhere in this fantasy world. I want to know what it means to be a good man in this world. And, and believe me, I'm getting, I get a lot of crap for this, you know, especially even from my own people, my own editors and things, you know, don't take that out. People alienate people and all this, but it's, but it's the world. It's just, what, what is my job? My job is to tell stories about the world, you know, and that's, and that's what I do. And so, it's not. Yeah. So what does it mean, Andrew, to be a good man in today's world? Well, I think it be- does begin with the truth. I mean, I think this is the thing that made me a mystery writer. The, the line that made me a mystery writer was at the first page of Raymond Chandler's The Big Sleep. His tough guy detective, Philip Marlowe, comes to a, a mansion and he sees a stained glass window with a picture of a knight trying to rescue a lady. 
And Philip Marlowe says to himself, if I lived in this house, I would have to climb up there and help him because he's just not getting the job done. <laughs> and I remember, I remember when I was 15 years old, I read that and I thought, yes, that's who I want to be. Because he, he's like this small, seedy, private detective in a small, seedy job. He doesn't make any money. He lives in modern Los Angeles, which is a terrible place. It's corrupt. Everybody, you know, everything is swept under the carpet. But he's got this knight inside him that he carries around, and he understands it's going to get beaten up, it's going to get shot at, it's going to get him arrested, but he's just going to carry it around. And, and Chandler had this great line, which is where we get the, the phrase mean streets. He said, down these mean streets, a man must go who is not himself mean, who is neither tarnished nor afraid. And I remember at 15 just thinking, that's what I want. That's what I want of myself. That's the way I want the world to be for me. And that's the way the kind of people I want to write about. But it, I got uh, kind of sidetracked into antiheroes because I was feeling the same way as everybody else, that there was no place for men to be men. So I might as well make them bad guys. And at least that, that way they could act freely. And now I just feel like, all right, that idea has played itself out. We've, we've looked at that. We've seen the Breaking Bad. We've seen the Sopranos. What does it mean to not be like that? What does it mean to do what Chandler said, to go down the mean streets and not be mean? And for me, it begins with the truth. It begins with speaking the truth, seeing the truth, not avoiding the truth, and then acting in a way that you know might, might get you canceled, might get you hurt, might get you killed, but you're going to do it anyway because that's what you are carrying inside you, you know? And to me, if that's not a basic Christian idea of, like, take up your cross, I don't know what, it, what is. It's basically take, putting that in the modern world and taking the sandals off it and saying, no, this is, this is what you have to do just to wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and not feel like you're looking at a jerk and not feel like you're, you've lost something that was given to you at the beginning. This is what you have to do. And so that's, it's a hard thing. And it's a hard thing, especially because all of us have a past and all of us made, have made terrible mistakes. And all of us have to deal with those things first before moving forward. And that's why Cameron Winter's stories always go back and forth. He always tells about the past and the things he's done and then about the present and the story that he's in at the moment, because he has to deal with the things, the bad things before he can get on to something better. Publishers uh, Weekly says it's gripping the best yet. Uh, Cameron uh, Winter Mystery Series book. It's The House of Love and Death. It is excellent. Andrew Claven is with us, the writer, the author, and the man. And uh, we'll continue with him in one minute. Stand by. I mean, I didn't even think leprechauns were real. You know, much less creepy, you know? I, leprechaun, really? I always saw them in a cereal box, but the weird, you know, faces and the habit of carrying an axe around, I mean, I didn't see that coming, but, you know, right before you, sitting there on your cereal box, sitting there sharpening his axe, so, he says, flashing a grisly smile filled with sharp yellow teeth, you want to steal me pot of gold, do you? No, I was just looking for some cereal he jumps down edging towards you with the axe that's good because you won't find it i lost it in a boating accident along with all me guns best get you to gold line instead my friend and then you're like oh and then next thing i knew i was on the phone with gold line asking about their exclusive and industry leading two ounce silver maple flex bars you know, and I, they said, hey, by the way, if you buy these, you'll also receive at no additional cost. And I said, no additional cost. I got to tell the leprechaun. And they said, what? Never mind. 
50 of the one uh, gram mind your business silver bars come with it. That means with every box of maple flex, not a cereal, not to be confused, you'll get 1000 individual pieces of silver. And if you're uh, you know one of the people who returned your survey to Goldline, you'll qualify for an additional bonus on top of this uh, special as well this week. Can't beat it. You asked for it. Call, get it today, 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE, or goldline.com. It's Halloween, 10 seconds, station ID. Leaving you alone now. Ooh. Blah, blah, blah. All right, uh, Andrew Clavin. So, Andrew, can I, can I take you for a couple of minutes and, and ask you about, about the world we're living in? Uh, absolutely i'm i'm i am shocked at how many times i hear people say i don't know i think jesus might be coming and i know everybody's been saying that forever but it's kind of looking like you know jesus might be coming yeah you know i'm shocked by this too and i'm shocked by i'm hearing it i'm hearing people who don't have any faith Yes. Speaking in the language of faith, speaking about demons, speaking about how things are demonic and yes. all this. And, and you know, I, I have to say that I've been looking at this for a long time. I mean, I, I, you're always a lot more pessimistic than I am. <laughs> but, 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 I'm more <laughs> pessimistic than anyone, Andrew. Everybody, exactly. <laughs> but but I, I have to say that almost a year ago, I, I turned to my wife and we were talking about gender-affirming care, which means butchering the bodies of little children to yes. give them make-believe opposite-sex costumes. And I said, you know, pretty soon they're going to start killing Jews because that's when evil rises. That's mm-hmm. always the devil's flagpole. That's always what you see. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not that, it's not that anti-Semitism is the worst thing. It's that it occurs where evil is. You know, that's yes. where it rises up. And so these things are all connected. There's no question about it. There's no question that this kind of materialist attitude that thinks that there's no such thing as a woman that thinks your body doesn't matter, that thinks that your body is no reference to something higher than itself all of these ideas that come out of this and are central to the leftist vision, which is what all this is about, they're all connected. And, and it, it always ends with the killing of Jews because Jews are the theater in which God plays out his relationship with man. You know, the Jewish people are, are where God kind of tells us what's going on uh, in our lives. And so I, I don't even think it's funny. I don't even think you have to believe in God to know this is true. You just have to accept the fact that God is a permanent part of human psychology. Uh, to understand what I'm talking about. And and look, I the the Bible tells us we do not know when the end of yeah. days is coming, and I just take that absolutely on faith for the absolute truth. But we know when hints of it are in the air, and we know when the the path that man is treading on is that path. And I think that this is that moment. It's a really dark moment. And, uh, you know, I, I always, I've always told you that pessimists, pessimists are always right in the end, <laughs> yeah, it just it just how it's just how long the horizon is. Jesus is coming. It could be five thousand years from now, but he is coming. Uh, you want to have some good times. Yeah, and it's really strange though that I I feel like uh, that actually makes me more optimistic. It because it's it's kind of at times I get very very you know dark at times, and I'm like that's the only way. <laughs> I mean I don't know how this is going to write itself it always does but i can't see that path can you 
No, I'm having the same problem, and you really, do, you really do. I mean, it sounds like the worst kind of cliche, but you have to have some trust in God and that He has a plan because when you try to game out the, the specific place we are right at this moment, it looks like you know fire and blood. It looks like war is coming. It looks like uh, you know the destruction of a, an idea, which is clearly a destructive idea. Our elites. <laughs> there's one thing that the COVID experience taught us is our elites are idiots. You know, they're not really doing a very good job. And the people who have the capacity to lead don't want to lead because who would want to under these situations? And it's, yeah, it's very difficult to think, well, if this happens and that happens and that happens, everything will be okay because it's hard to see that path. However, however, I have lived long enough to see it happen before. This is very much like the 1970s. It's darker, I got to admit, but in, you know, in the 1970s, the economy was bad, the culture was bad, the things people were saying were bad, the crime was miserable. And, and yet, you know, Reagan and Giuliani in New York turned things around simply by turning them around. You know, it was amazing how fast things changed and got better. And they got better for a quarter of a century before we started going down this path again. So things do happen, and they're surprising. And, you know, you can always be surprised by the joyful things, just like you're surprised by the disasters. So I'm not trusting in my own sense of what, what's going to happen. I'm waiting to see. But, uh, you know, I have to, I, you know, usually I'm the one who's the, the mask of comedy, and you're the one who's the mask of tragedy. But I got to agree with you now that this is a dark moment. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at, because you said our, our leaders are, you know, morons. Um, but yeah. the war in Ukraine, the gas prices, the war in Israel, um, pretty much everything that is going on, that, that's not a mistake. It can't be a mistake. Can all of these be a mistake that this administration gets in? And, I mean, everything they're doing seems to me to only fall in one direction, and that's the destruction of the country. And to have that batting average where it's always a bad ball. Uh, I mean, what are the odds? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, sometimes I can picture like Barack Obama and George Soros sitting up in the attic, you know, with a crystal ball, <laughs> maneuvering, ma- manipulating everything. But, but other times I just think, no, it's like a gigantic blob. They have these ideas. They can't. They're stuck in them. They can't get out of them. And they just all do the same things, even though they don't particularly agree even with one another. I think that we are at the, at the nadir of the idea of materialism, which actually has been with us for now five, 600 years. The idea that we are made of stuff, that we are nothing but stuff, that everything can be fixed by fixing the stuff. And, and I think that that idea has been unfolding very slowly. People saw it coming. Nietzsche saw it coming. You know, he said, we've killed God. We're going to have to become gods ourselves and make our own morality. Dostoevsky saw it coming. All these writers saw it coming. Now it's here. Now we're at the moment when, you know, in the brothers Karamazov, one of the brothers says, when you give up God, when you give up the idea of immortality, not only do you have to get rid of morality, you have to turn morality on its head and evil has to become good and Mm -hmm. the ego has to become everything. And I think that that's that's where we're at. And what what you hope is that you hit the ground and you bounce back. You know, you get the dead cat bounce where you start to say, okay, that didn't work. Maybe we we can try another idea. But it is amazing how long people can hold on to a self-destructive idea. Uh, Andrew Clavin, I'd love to have you on a podcast and love to have you more frequent guest if you would ever make the time for it. I just love you so much. I think you're an amazing man. You are a good man uh, and uh, a great father. So... 
Thank you. Oh, well, back at you, Glenn. I'll come on anytime. Okay. Anytime. Andrew Clavin, the name of the book, it's out now. It's really exceptional. Very, very good. The House of Love and Death. Uh, Cameron Winter Mystery. The Love, the House of Love and Death. Get it wherever you get your books now. It's on sale today. The Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Now I know what you're thinking. What's old lunch pale Joe Biden doing a Christmas commercial for? Uh, it's, it's Halloween commercial, Joe. Quiet, fat. Now, as I was saying, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I'm here to remind you that Santa's bringing you a whole stocking full of more Bidenomics for Halloween. Halloween. Jack, no joke. And if you thought this year was great for your wallet, wait until you see what we've got in store for you. You know, <laughs> Merry Halloween from Corn Pop and me. Okay, now might be a really good time to call the non-spooky people at American Financing. This Halloween, their salary-based mortgage consultants are ready to start with a free, no-obligation savings review, and they could help you close on a cash-out refi of your home's mortgage, which could help you get a leg up on the high-interest debts. Credit cards, now as high as 33% interest. That's insanity. Call American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. Subscribe to Blaze TV and save blazetv.com slash Glenn. The code is Glenn Plus. You'll save 36 bucks. America, welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. There is some good news coming out of Washington. Our new Speaker of the House has just uh, put together a bill that is uh, is going to help fund some of the arms that go to uh, Israel. Some of the things we're doing to help Israel, uh, but it is fully funded uh, by cutting, taking that money away from the IRS. Oh, let's see how much they want to help Israel now. Uh, and an interesting thing that he starts with Israel and tying it to Israel and not to the Ukraine. I think very smart move. By the way, speaking of Ukraine, I don't know if you saw the uh, interview with Zelensky and his people in Ukraine in Time. But, yeah, I know Time is a magazine. A magazine What's is a, Well, let's just, anyway, um, in Time, listen to this. You know, you can read the whole thing. But let me just give you two highlights from it. Amid all the pressure to root out corruption, I assumed, perhaps naively, that officials in Ukraine would think twice before taking a bribe or par- pocketing state funds. But when I made this point to a top presidential advisor in early October, he asked me to turn off my audio recorder so he could speak more freely. Simon, you're mistaken. People are stealing now like there is no tomorrow. End quote. Okay. All right. Then read a little further and you find this little gem. In some branches of the military, the shortage of personnel has become even more dire than its deficit in arms and ammunition. One of Zelensky's close allies tells me that even if the U.S. and its allies come through with all the weapons they have pledged, quote, we don't have the men to use them. 
end quote. Wow. Okay. Hmm. All right, well, let's go on to something cheerier. Last year, our federal deficit was $1.7 trillion, okay? The U.S. Department of Treasury, well, so you know, they, last quarter they borrowed $1.01 trillion, okay? But that was just to cover July through September. Um, now they're borrowing uh, another $776 billion dollars um, and that was below Wall Street expectations. They were expecting 800 billion. So everything is everything is good. Everything is copacetic. By the way, um, the World Bank is now cautioning: should the con- quoting should the conflict expand beyond the borders of the Gaza Strip to be a repeat of the Arab oil embargo in 1973, oil prices could surge to 157 dollars per barrel. This according to the World Bank. The highest price of oil on record was July 2008 when Brent traded as high as $147 per barrel. What happened in July 2008? I'm trying to think. 2008, 2008, what happened? Oh, I remember the banking crash. Why? Because people could not afford their homes. Now, think of people who have adjustable mortgages. Think of anybody who has credit card maxed out. I don't know anybody with that. Uh, and, going to, and going to the gas station and having to pay outside of California $8 a gallon. That's the kind of stuff that's coming if there is a war. But don't worry. Don't worry. It's all it's good because we got all that electricity thing. By the way, by the way, California the grid operators there are shutting down the wind and solar farms um, because they don't have the electrical grid to carry all of the energy. So they built all the f- farms and everything, but we didn't put a big enough wire uh, coming from the farm, you know, out to your house. So now they're making more energy than they can ship anywhere. So they're shutting them down good good this is going to work out well it's going to work out well by the way when did mcdonald's become an evil clown house listen to this story mcdonald's on monday reported that its revenue was up 14 percent in the latest quarter a surge that the burger giant said was driven by strategic menu in price increases they brought in a total of $6.69 billion in revenue for a three-month period ending September 30th, beating expectations of $6.58 billion. One branch in Darien, Connecticut, is now charging as much as $18 for a Big Mac combo meal, which is a Big Mac, medium fries, and a medium soft drink. $18. Wow. Uh-huh. Times Square, it's $13. But shares of McDonald's were up 1.7%. I, I mean, uh, you know, I, I understand your evil clown theory here on Halloween, but, like, uh, is this McDonald's fault? I don't think it's McDonald's fault. I mean, it's much more Bidenomics fault than it is McDonald's fault. Yeah. However, however, they're doing it for the stock price. Right now... And and there is, I know. I mean, what, what, 
I know. show is this? Are we, I mean, no. I, look, capitalism, they they are trying to make a profit. Yes, they are trying to improve their stock price. It's their financial have you been responsibility. To a You're so healthy. You I, probably haven't. I go all the time. Do you? Okay. I'm there like 15 times a week. And hey, I am a I, bit I'm, defensive. I'm shocked. I am shocked at their prices. I'm shocked at the prices of McDonald's. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not the cheapest place in the world. No, and it but, but, used to be the one where, I mean, you know, that's where fat, fat fatties like me and then, you know, people that don't have a lot of money used to go. Now it's just us fat, fat fatties. I mean, they still gotta, I like to see some other people that are struggling with something there. Look, I'm looking at the dollar, $2, $3 menu. What's on it? Sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito for breakfast, hash browns. Then a McDouble, double cheeseburger, McChicken, Chicken McNuggets, fries, and then a bunch of drinks. I mean, it's not like everything on the menu, but that's not... Look, I, well, I, I do think, though, every restaurant has had to do this. We talked oh, to uh, Pat, it, uh, Pat Gray, a purveyor yeah. of Kexi cookies, and he was telling us this is going back now over a year. But, like, they put so much butter in these cookies... I know but the prices uh, of that. He, ha- you, you, how do you run a business you when your underlying costs ri- rise like that? We just had our first price increase in the history of our country. Now, but what did we do? You mean, we you're meaning added, Blaze TV? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. we added features. We yeah. felt like we can't just ask people for, but we have to ask people for a price increase. All the costs just, are going up. Yeah, just to maintain, and people are making. Decent money, but nobody feels like it because they can't afford anything. Yeah, and and that's, and that's Bidenomics. This is the mesmerizing part of Bidenomics to the uh, the media crew who are like, I don't understand why people don't get it. Why don't they get that inflation's come down? I, I think what people normally think of when they think of inflation coming down is prices. Prices coming down. So like you you spent a hundred dollars on you know a basket of groceries you know in two thousand nineteen. And then it goes up to $120, $130 in 2021. Inflation coming down to most people means it goes back down to, I don't know, 105, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what happens. When, you, when the rate of inflation comes down, that rate of inflation builds off of the previously higher prices. Correct. So if you add, if it comes down from 20% to 10%, your prices don't go down from $120 to $110 for that purchase. It goes from $120 to $132. Now you were already pissed off at $120. How do you think you feel at 132? You don't care if the rate has it. gone down. They don't get it. They don't get they it. They don't get it. And look at there's a great article. We all get Ed Scary on. Um he's a columnist for the Federalist and and he used to work here. Who was that again? Uh it's scary. Oh, Eddie Scary, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he used to work um, here a while ago. And uh so listen to listen to me, Red. So we have to go into this maybe tomorrow, but uh New York Times, hyperinflation. A glaring liability that looms. War in Ukraine. Joe Biden marshals U.S. allies against Russia. Obscene gas prices. Biden's frustration with soaring prices. War in Israel. Why this Israeli-Gaza conflict is so complicated for Biden. He's frustrated. It's complicated. Yeah, he caused all of it. (laughs) He caused all of it. And there is no one calling him out on that. Mm. I mean, none of these things were happening with Donald Trump. None of them. None of them. You know what was happening? He was saying bad things about people. How did that affect you in your daily life, in your vacation, in your groceries, and 
you know, your ability to afford gasoline. Didn't. Didn't. People believe the economy was good for the first extended time in a very long time. Going back to Bill Clinton. I mean, I was just reading a story about this the other day, looking at the polling of how people react to the economy. And people are, you know, can be generally negative on the economy sometimes. But if you go back all the way to Clinton, they thought the economy was good from the uh, late 90s into 2000 yeah. before that crash. Mm-hmm. That's where they thought it was good. And then they thought it was good from 2017 to 2019 or till 2017 or 2018 till March 2020. And that is the end of it. And they haven't thought it recovered since. They didn't think it was good during the entire Obama administration. Part of the reason for that is it's not just like, okay, inflation, prices are a big deal, but wages are a big deal. And wages have have grown slightly under this president, but they've grown at a much lower rate than prices have gone up. Yeah, you can't. People are just expected to, I don't know, tread water. You, you can't, can't tread water you when can't that's tread happening. Water. You, you go are, backwards. Yeah, you're getting heavier and heavier. Prices are going up. The water is going up, you know, and you're going down. It, you're not treading water. And, and how do you do that in a corporation? How do you tie wages to inflation? Because you'd have to tie flations, uh, um, you'd have to uh, tie prices to inflation as well. And then you get into the Jimmy Carter thing where they're like, Price controls. Well, then you put the businesses out because they can't afford the raw products. Yeah. Yeah. And that never works. Never works. Uh, Never works. That doesn't seem to be around the corner. Believe me. Oh, you want it, though. Well, I'm just saying they haven't suggested it yet. No, they're they're waiting for the second term. When you look at the profile of Joe Biden issues, what's fascinating about it is I think we we spent how much time since October 7th, most of the show on international issues. Yes. Right. Um, And. That happens, it comes, it ebbs and it flows. But like, you look at the, objectively, if you're looking at the Joe Biden international performance, his international relations performance, you would look at it and say, it's been a disaster. I mean, let's be honest about it for a second. Even if you like Joe Biden, this has not gone well. The entire world is on fire, right? There are conflicts breaking out all over the place. Things that we did not see uh, you know, for, and, for, for years and years and years and years are happening again. And quite honestly, because of him, because yeah. of Ukraine, he tried to do something different and bully all of the people through a WEF sort of way to to get rid of all of the financial ties to Russia. Russia saw that and went, whoa, you rest of your world. Do you want this? Because they can come after you. That strengthened this movement with China, who wants to destroy us as well. To go and put all new uh, landlines down, all new uh, uh, framework out so they can avoid the Western financial system entirely. Well, whose fault is that? That's Joe Biden. Yeah. And if you look at his uh, group of issues, the crazy part about this is Ukraine and Israel are his two top polling issues. When people look at his performance, they say that's the best part of his presidency. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it, the approval ratings are only in the 40s. It's not like he's like overwhelmingly popular on those issues. But look at the border. Look at the economy. Look at inflation. Yeah, look at all these other things. Kind of he's the border. in the 20s in some of I these know. issues. It's horrible. It's horrible. All right. Back in just a second. Well, I will tell you, this Halloween has been a tough one for my good, dear friend, uh, Stu. He's gotten the short end of the stick today. He was first eaten by zombies and... 
It's been rough. Run over by my car, which I said magically came to life, but I was in the car and I was driving and oh. I was targeting. But uh, rude. I'd like to offer a little pain relief now. Good dose of relief factor for Stu. Relief factor. It's a daily supplement. Helps your body fight against that pain, Stu. 100% drug free. Developed by doctors. Helps with car being run over by cars sure you just i know you're it says on the deal to take it but you should just rub it on your body it'll oh, be so okay. much better yay searching for a better alternative uh uses a formula of ingredients things like turmeric and omega-3s that help produce uh, uh the the natural defenses in your body to reduce aches and pains and uh swelling see how relief factor can help you their three-week quick start kit this music is driving. It's making it impossible for me to read. It's only nineteen ninety five, <laughs> and it comes with Relief Factor's Feel Better or Your Money Back Guarantee. So why not give it a try? Visit relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. 800, the number four relief. Feel the difference with relieffactor.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're really glad that you're here today. Thank you. We're just looking at some of the polls. Um, it, it is, it's, it's weird to look at these polls. Donald Trump has been largely absent, which I think is actually helping him. Yep. I think so. Um, Smart strategy, as we pointed out. Well, from the I don't beginning. know if it is a strategy. I think uh, it is. I, I, there's just no need for him to be involved. You know, when you're up by 40 points. Well, yes, on the on the debate stage, yes. Yeah. But he's largely silent, um, which I think is great strategy um, uh, for him on that. But it looks like Nikki Haley and DeSantis are the ones duking it out now. Yep. Um, and uh, the latest poll from Iowa has them tied at 16 percent for second place, um, which is a big move for it's about where. Uh, DeSantis has been, but it, it was uh, a big move for Haley. It's strange that both DeSantis and Haley were Tea Party people. Mm. Uh, both came at the Tea Party. And Haley, I think, is her strategy is playing away from the Trump people, which were also Tea Party people. DeSantis is playing for not the Tea Party people per se, but yeah, not, yeah. not an establishment either. The top three people were Tea Party people. Haley is the most establishment of them, I think, at this point, and is going for the establishment uh, and maybe those uh, independent voters as well. And the, the, this news cycle helps Haley. I mean, uh, she, oh, yeah. you know, DeSantis, Hot. obviously, you think more of domestic issues, you think of foreign policy issues, it's going to be more in Haley's. The area. Glenn Beck Program.